for Influencers. I'm your host, Anya Alvarez. And I'm Julia McGinnis. And this is the podcast that goes behind the scenes with some of the most loved animal influencers on the internet. And today we have Jimmy Craig, the creator of They Can Talk Comics, which is one of the most popular on animal comic strips on the internet. He has over 500,000 followers on Instagram, and it really does a great job of giving us the inner thoughts of our animal friends and foes. Well, Jimmy, thank you again for taking the time to, to join us. And I've been following your account for probably a little over a year now. And it's one of my favorite accounts to follow. I send your comic strips to people on a regular basis. I actually have a friend who has some of your comic strips hung up and framed in oh, his nice. apartment. Um, and so you, you have a little fan base with my group of friends, but cool. I would love to learn a little bit more about you and your background in, in this space as an artist and, and how you came to start drawing and giving voice to animals. Sure. Um, so I started this about six years ago, I think now, and it was, um, I've always liked comics and I've always liked animals and um when I wanted to start a comic I could kind of do for the long run um making it about animals was it was kind of the low-hanging fruit at the time but it also was like I could see myself doing this for a long time and I think that um I tested it out first I was like uh you know wasn't I guess fully convinced myself but I uploaded a couple actually to Tumblr and the response was like immediate and it was kind of easy, especially when I was first starting out where I was like, I could do jokes about any animal, about any pet. Now I'm kind of obviously I have to be a little more selective when I'm like hundreds of comics deep to see like what I've done myself. And now there are so many comics out there. Every comic I do, I Google and like, that's the worst part of making a comic is like you Google everything you can think of like what other people would name their comic just to see if someone else did that idea. Um, but yeah, I think that uh, I started out about six years ago. It again, it snowballed pretty quickly and I've just stuck with it and it's, it's been fun and um, animals. It's just, I feel like there's so much to say about them and there's so many animals. I obviously focus on cats and dogs the most, um, cause I always try to do everything and how, like how animals relate to humans are usually where there's some kind of contact between humans and animals is, is, you know, usually the more relatable stuff, um, whether it's like a mouse in your house or like, you know, a pet. So that was, uh, I was like, did I answer the question? <laughs> no, you did. You did. You totally did. I, did you have animals growing up? Um, what is your relationship to animals and in, in your in your experience it's funny i was actually talking to my nana who's gotta be like almost 90 now yesterday and i was telling her how um she has like really instilled such a love for animals and comics in me um she's always had cats and dogs so i actually grew up with a dog um that i had for like 13 years um and now i married a into a cat family so i have uh two cats um, but yeah, growing up, like my, 
my Nana lived like lived way out in the country and just like had so much wildlife around her and had a house full of pets. And I think I just always loved animals. Uh, my parents always used to joke that when uh, I got older, I would just have like a farm with a bunch of animals. Um, that isn't the case. <laughs> um, it's definitely something that's just always kind of been an uh, interest of mine. But yeah, I have two cats now, and they are definitely like huge inspirations for comics. <laughs> it's funny because like I did the comic for I've had cats for only two years, and in I've the I've done the comic longer without any pets than I have with pets. And what are your cats' names? Salem. Um, she's a black cat, and she's from Salem, Massachusetts. Um, it's kind of near where I live. Um, so her name's a little generic, but it's very appropriate. Um, and the other cat is Pepper, who's a gray cat. Um, and they're like complete opposites. Um, one's like total psychopath. I guess they're both like psychopaths, but in different ways. Um, but they're like such distinct personalities that it's really, I feel like when, if I get inspiration from either of them, that they're like, they're going to relate to like different bases of people and I feel like with both of these cats I have like the cat people covered um so I just need to get a couple dogs too (laughs) I was um laughing when you talked about googling different names for the comic series Mm. because um at one point my husband and I were trying to work on this nft collection that we wanted to call cryptodes with different dogs and we thought we were like the most clever people ever we came up with the idea while we were hiking like didn't have cell phone service or anything it's like, oh, this is amazing. We're going to like, you know, lock this down and we'll have the crypto series <laughs> NFTs. And of course, somebody else had already come up with it. Yeah. It like Probably another... like several. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Several people Googling like, it at the same exact time as you. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> um, for somebody who has never seen one of your comic strips before and who's listening to the podcast, how sure. would you describe the comics? Like what, what are they exactly? What's the vibe and what's the art style? Um, there, it's very simple. I, it's what I try to do is imagine like things animals might actually be saying. Um, it's not always really grounded, but I would say like, that's at least where I start is I try to make it as grounded as possible and as clever and accessible as possible too. Um, for example, like I don't write comics about like, um, like there's the animals aren't anthropomorphic in the sense that like a dog's going to go to like ride the train and go to a job in the city or something like that. But, um, I obviously give them like human qualities, um, and emotions, but I think that's also like not a stretch to what real animals are like. Um, this is not doing a very good sales pitch for the comic, but I think the comic, uh, really high level it's the intention is for it to be funny and accessible and clever and um relatable and it's only about animals no other characters if you ever see a human in the comics it's usually like the back of a person and the humans never talk it's like this is just about animals it's like those charlie brown comics or not the comic strips but the charlie brown tv shows if anyone's seen them where the adults don't even have real yeah. voices it's just like wah, 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 wah. right it's like completely uh an afterthought and uh, i like what you said about you know how the animals they're not like completely out of the realm of possibility like they are sort of grounded in real life and 
Um, I, I thought of, have you seen the movie Beginners, the Mike Mills film? Mm-hmm. It's um, It came out a few years ago. It's really good. And there's a small dog who's a companion to one of the main characters. And the dog doesn't talk, but on the screen, there'll be like subtitles that pop up with the nice. dog like <laughs> commenting on things back to his owner. And it's it's really fun and quirky, but it's also, it feels totally natural and organic to the relationship between yeah. the dog and Ian McGregor's character. It's pretty great. Yeah, I think that's why a lot of people like the comic resonates with them because they're like, this is what, you know, everyone gives their pet a voice. Um, and I think that like, if I can align that more with what they already think, that those are those like sweet spots when people really connect to the comic. And for your cats, what is Salem's voice and what's Pepper's? Is that? Yeah, Salem <laughs> is just like so... She is so laid back. I was like, her heart is like barely beating at all times. Her like, her pulse is so slow. And like in a way that I'm like envious because she's just so insanely relaxed. Like she never gets spooked. But like I told my wife, I was like, we could sell this cat for like a million dollars because everyone wants a cat like this. Like you sit down, she'll, um, I've actually posted, I think a video of this before. If you sit down, she'll come and she'll tap you on your leg to like ask permission to sit in your lap. And then she'll purr so loud, she'll like shake your legs. <laughs> um, but she's like so insanely affectionate, but also like really laid back. Um, but her crazy side is that like she'll, she's mischievous in the sense like she'll knock things over and stuff, but like um, she'll, her thing is like with food or like, she'll rip apart like a loaf of bread. <laughs> I said like people want this cat. Aside from those things, she's great. Pepper is the more like anxious cat. Someone comes over like they'll, they don't even know we have another cat. They'll only see Salem. Um, and Salem runs the house. Like she torments Pepper. Um, but they're both just su- such utter opposites. Did you adopt them together? We did, yep. We got okay. them at the same time um, from a cat rescue place in Salem. When you when you released your first comics on on Tumblr and then it just had this great response and reception to it, were you at all surprised by that? And then what did you think as far as like, all right, I have something here and I can really build this in into a career. I mean, cause you sure. have built it into a career. It seems like. Yeah. I, um, it has always been like, um, somewhat minimal effort where I just do one a week. So it wasn't, it was never a big commitment when I was like, Oh, this is something I should stick with. I was like, still, it's just one a week. Um, I didn't expect it. Like it got a following and it was doing well. I think the other things that it led to, I like really couldn't have anticipated just the other like opportunities and kind of people that it's introduced me to along the way. Um, I really didn't see that coming. Uh, my goal was really like, I just wanted a book. Like I'm, I love comics. Um, I've like been obsessed with comics my whole life, like comic strips, like Calvin Hobbes, Far Side, those type of comics. And my goal was to get a book. Like, I just want a book deal. I just want a book sh- a book on, you know, a shelf in a bookstore. And that was my intent going into the comic. And that was like such a, that happened early on in the comic. And then it's just like everything that's gone beyond that has just 
exceeded my expectations. And how did you know when people were getting excited for the comics? Like how were people sending you messages? Like I, yeah. I, I don't sometimes hate using the word engagement, but I'm going to use it. Sure. Like how were you gauging engagement and what was the dialogue that you were having with your, your fans? Like, um, I got a lot of people telling me that like they were seeing my comics from their like, Oh, my friend from college shared this and like, they don't even know who you are. And then I'd be, and then be like, my dad saw my comics hung up in someone's cubicle while he was like at a different air force base, like at somewhere else in another state and just like really weird things like that. And, um, so I, I don't know if it was maybe like a year or something into the comic. And I started a Facebook, um, page for they can talk and that like blew up like crazy. And I had one of the early comics had like several million, uh, views on it like really quick and then it was like um, the comics were just s- having other people that I know saying they're seeing the comics everywhere else that was really like okay this is uh, kind of yeah I guess grown beyond what I expected because Tumblr have... was a little sorry I, I was uh, gonna say no, just t- Tumblr felt Tumblr's always been like a little more inclusive as far as like who it's, who the stuff's being exposed to so once it grew beyond that, it was really like, that's when it started growing more exponentially. Do you have people that write in often as far as like, hey, you should attribute this quality or characteristic to this animal <laughs> or give you suggestions? I um I get a lot of great emails and I actually get letters in the mail too because I have like a P.O. box from when people buy a print and it's so funny. I've gotten like cards from people that tell me about their pets. Um, one thing is like I never write. Some people will send in jokes and I never write someone else's joke just because I'm like, uh, I don't know what that would entail. If like if this joke were to make it in the book and like I would do it subconsciously. So I try not to like really pay attention to those, but I appreciate, you know, people reaching out. But I do definitely get a lot of um, like unique messages. I'd say overall, like something that is really cool is just the the comic has really the audience is incredibly positive. Like I feel like the internet is just like you the noise that cuts through is usually the bad stuff, and I feel like. Um, I don't know how this comic has done it, but uh, I feel like I just get like positive messages, which I am thankful for. And like comments, even on Reddit, like Reddit is my, how I interact with the world the most, like Reddit's my most used social media, you know, app. Um, And like, even on Reddit, the audience is just like amazing. And I get like, if I ever get feedback on it, it's like super thoughtful and, um, yeah, I feel like it should knock on wood that I've I felt lucky that um, it's all been so positive. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that because I, one, anytime I see your comic strip pop up on my feed, I always have a nice little chuckle and it's this, it's like 30 seconds of my day where I'm smiling and I feel good and um, I definitely feel like the animal space, generally speaking, is a space where people really... Um, they flock to it because it is yeah. so positive. And that was one of the things that Julie and I experienced during the pandemic was we both got dogs during the pandemic. And then we just started sharing nonstop 
animal videos, memes with each other, you know, funny stuff that animals were doing. And I think for us, it was just a space that one gave us a lot of peace and comfort during a very troubling time. Um, and where we were able to just find a lot of joy and not be surrounded by negativity. And I, it's, you know, I think the animal world on the internet is definitely a space for people to, to just kind of forget about everything and and just laugh and smile. Oh yeah. 100%. I think something that's really cool too, is that, um, I hear from a lot of people that are like internationally, just a lot of people that aren't in the U S almost 50% of my like print sales are not in the U S and just the fact that people are like that, Oh, that is exactly what my cat does. And it's like, they live on the other side of the world and how like, that those animal interactions and that relatability is just universal. Sorry, I'm like jotting down some some questions as we're going along. One thing that's been really interesting for me and Anya, not just um, you know in this podcast when we're interviewing people, but even just when we're on different animal pages on Instagram or TikTok, you know what have you, is it seems to us that the animals that tend to break through as their own you know personalities, their own you know characters are ones that do have a very clear voice where the human companion was able to hone in on something about the animal that just matches the way it looks. It matches its body language and they're able to find that, that tone of voice. I'm curious, you know, do you have any thoughts on that just from having seen, I'm sure some of these accounts online and what you think works or, or doesn't work as somebody is developing that, that voice and tone. Sure. I think that, um, so like I'm, I've actually worked with currently working with a comic artist just as far as like doing branding for like a comic series. And I think that I'm, my comic is not a very good example of like a well, um, branded comic or like a strong voice just because I don't like really have recurring characters, but I have like, uh, you know, a look and a style. I think that it's all in my voice and people get that humor. I think that's the, since there's just so much out there right now, obviously if you have something that's really easy to identify, it's just like only helps you. If somebody's like, Hey, I'm going to start an Instagram account for my cat and I'm trying to figure out how I want to create this. I think we'll say sure. create this character. Cause ideally you're not imposing it on the animal. You're sort of being inspired yeah. from it. But where do you get started? I mean, I think that like um, what you just said is true. Like if you're not creating yourself, you're not posing, your your animal just has it. Like I said, my cat Salem is just like, man, this cat is like, just as like people, if people saw how this cat behaved, like they wouldn't even believe it. And it's like, I was like, we can make, totally make this cat famous. I just, I'm like, I don't want to do another social media thing right now. But um, I think that's like for like I said about the comic, it's so easy to see if you have something there or not, because it's just so easy to test something online. So if you were like, I think that my dog is going to be a star, it's like you can try it out and like, um, let the dog be itself. Don't try to define it. Because if people get a sense of you trying that you're like, you know, pulling the strings behind the scene and trying to to do that, I think that will just leave a ba- bad taste in people's mouth. But people in general just want to see cats and dogs do fun things. Um, But yeah, it's just such an easy thing to try out and then um, see what works and see if if people like it. 
I think what's interesting about your comic strip, though, is you have so many different animals that you give a voice to from dogs, cats, insects, sharks. I, I just yeah. feel like you just kind of run the gamut of the different animals <laughs> that you highlighted on your page. How do you come up with these voices for animals that we don't really have? as much interaction sure. with on a day-to-day yeah. basis? Do you do a lot of research on what those animals are like, or do you just kind of go off of what your instinct is of what they are? Sometimes like um, I'd say that there's kind of two paths I'll take where like something is just like, I want to say it. If there's something I want to say in a comic, then I'm like, what animal is appropriate to say this thing? And those are usually like, it'll either be a cat or a dog or a bird. But when it's about an animal that's like um, something that we, you know, people aren't typically interacting with or don't have some kind of relatable connection with, that's when I'll like, I'll read about the animal or just something that like, uh, I have really young kids. And so we're just watching things like Brave Wilderness on YouTube and like animal shows or like Wildcrats. And like, these things are so great and like educational. And so I feel like that also inspires me where I'm just like learning about animals. And it's like, I love doing that. I love reading about them to my kids, still reading about them on my own. So I'd say when it's like, when it kind of goes outside of the cat and dog jokes, those are usually, and again, I always try to still keep them grounded where if it's like um, about a beaver, like I'll try to draw a tree. That's like, this is a tree that the beaver actually eats. Like I'm not making educational content, but like um, I'm not, you know, maybe I'm just trying to avoid those like internet comments where like, oh, beavers don't eat those kind of trees. But it's like, <laughs> if I'm going to draw a tree, tree anyways, I might as well make one, you know. So there's definitely like a, a little bit of a, a research uh, aspect to it, but it's more just out of interest. Um, yeah. I think, you know, you're talking, I want to circle back to the people who are sending you stuff and pictures of their animals and their own jokes. It's, it feels like you've really built a community. It sounds like of people on the internet who, who love animals, who also, I mean, listen, if I could figure out what my dog was saying, I, (laughs) I would, I probably wouldn't have conversations with anybody else, even though I definitely have a lot of conversations with her already that are very one-sided. Um, but it does feel like you've built a community and and I'm curious if the pandemic has caused an uptick in engagement on your uh, social channels too, because so many people got animals during the pandemic. That's true. I honestly never really thought about that. I, um, I think that um, there's definitely a great community of people that are just consistent readers and consistent people that follow and share. I'm not that, um, I don't participate that much. Like I don't really interact with people aside from like on Patreon is where I'll like have discussions with people. Um, aside from that, I'm, I'm pretty hands-off. Which is a good like, reason why people should join your Patreon page, yeah, it sounds like. Yeah, <laughs> so go subscribe I, to it. <laughs> that's where people get like a total just behind the curtain where I'm like, this is what I, this is, this is my first draft of the comic and it's like chicken scratch in a notebook. And this is what it turned into. Um, I think this week I've, I've actually posted a comic in, you know, like a half an hour. I usually post on Sundays around seven. And um, I told them about like why I struggled with this comic particularly. And I was like, all of the comics are still in my voice. And I was like, I don't talk like this, but this is like what fit this comic. 
Um, so that that is definitely a cool community too, because I'll get like um, really good feedback from people there. Um, but aside from that, in general, the audience has definitely grown. I don't know if it's you know if it's grown more exponentially during um, lockdown or anything like that, but it's it's continued to grow like crazy. Um, but I think that the main connection I have is I was like, uh, I never want to do something that I feel like betrays, uh, like my readers. Like it's clear that what I've been doing where it's like, it's obvious to me, like if a comic will fit into that, um, fit into it, they can talk comic. And like, um, again, I think that's something that's important too. when if people are considering making any kind of page, not just for their pet, excuse me, but that's like when you create a relationship with your reader, it's like honoring that relationship and staying true to it. You mentioned people give you feedback. Is there a piece of feedback that you got that is particularly memorable either for positive <laughs> reasons or not so positive? So I usually show, will show a comic to like one of my friends and my brother and my wife. Um, just especially if I'm torn between two and anytime that happens, I know that comic isn't like great because I'm struck. The answer isn't clear to me, but um, I usually will get feedback when I have two comics to pick from. And one in particular is like one of my favorite comics is um, it's a pigeon asking someone directions and the person just throws a handful of seed at the pigeon and the pigeon like has seed land on the, on his face and he's just staring at the person blinking like, um, and he doesn't say anything. So in that final box, I had dialogue and I was torn between what the pigeon was going to be saying or if saying nothing. And my brother was like, definitely should say nothing. Like the comic like already says so much and it just like immediately fixed it. And I was like, great move. <laughs> I was glad I did that. So there, that, that's a, a one specific instance I remember, but I'm sure there are several where I've been torn between two and, and the uh, answer may, might have been more obvious to other people than me. I'm thinking back to the um, the point of the conversation where you mentioned the beavers and the tree. And <laughs> what's been the most difficult animal that you've had to create a voice for? Most challenging? <laughs> so I actually think that cats and dogs are really difficult because people have so much... Um, people already assume so much about both that like when you go into that territory to say anything about either people are like, people could be like, my cat isn't like that. Or my cat's totally like that. So it's like, you're, it's easier to write a comic about like, um, a giraffe. Cause people aren't actively thinking about are giving a voice to a giraffe during the day. Like, like you said, like if, if you guys have, have dogs, you, you already have a, an assumption of now how dogs talk and what dogs like to do. So um, it's easier, I would say, to do less common animals and more difficult doing the cats and dogs. I hadn't thought of that, but that makes so much sense. Like I have such a strong view on what I think <laughs> dogs will say, right, especially yeah. like certain dog breeds, like the cor corgi versus the German shepherd. But if you showed me a chupacabra, I'd have no idea yeah. what like a chupacabra <laughs> should do or say. Yeah, right. I don't know why I came up with that. That's what came to mind. Have you have either of you seen that music video of what what does the fox say? Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> like I'd exactly. never thought of that before until <laughs> I watched that music video. Like, right. you know, I actually don't know what they sound like. I've never yeah. thought of that. I think uh, that I, um, birds to birds is like a, maybe an easier one where it's like people know that, but it's like they're people again, they're not giving a voice to the bird aside from maybe like people think birds annoying or like think, Anyways, I think that, yeah, the, the dog is, is more difficult territory to tread into. What I especially like about the format that you've chosen for your stories, comics, is that when I think of, I'm going to come at this from like a dog biased background, but I know that dogs have memory, but I also know that they tend to process things a lot in these very specific scenes or moments. So while they are able to carry, you know, things over from this happened, this happened, this happened, I think largely it's this is what's happening in this moment and what happened before doesn't necessarily matter. And what happened after doesn't necessarily matter. Mm. And what I think is so cool about your comics is that, or using comics for animals is that you have that like one big defining moment where the animal has realized something or considered something or has had this experience and then something happens after, but even that one moment can kind of live on its own. Sure. Which is really interesting. Could you, share a little bit more about why comics like why do you love this format so much and what is so unique about this format to doing storytelling about animals it's funny like i liked it long before it became suitable for social media or like ideal for social media um just like growing up on calvin and Hobbes and the far side and like the sunday funnies and newspapers um just like obsessed with that since i could read like cutting out comic strips and um getting those big fat like collections of calvin Hobbes and far side um and i think that they just became really uh perfect for the internet um especially like even as people started to um, kind of go away from YouTube and longer form content. It's just gotten shorter and shorter and shorter. And like TikTok is a perfect example of that. And it's like comics in its purest form has always just been perfect for, it's like one step beyond memes. Um, so I guess I kind of lucked into that, <laughs> that side of it, um, that I just already liked comics and was already making them. And it just kind of the internet felt feel like it caught up with the rest of the, you know, comic enthusiasts i i loved comic strips growing up too it, sunday comics were my favorite my mom would always save that part of the newspaper for me and garfield was actually my favorite growing up because i my mom thought i was garfield i was very mischievous and always up to something yeah my, <laughs> a little bit a little bit honoring <laughs> when my um i said my nana like always loved animals and comics she had like this huge hallway that was her pantry and it was plastered in comics and it was mostly mostly garfield oh was it <laughs> that's yeah. awesome uh so what's yeah, what's next incredible. for you oh go <laughs> ahead sorry, Julia, sorry. Yeah, i just wanted to go back like that's th that is so cool that she had that what what about those comics resonated for her yeah i mean it's it's really um Again, I was literally talking to her yesterday. I was like, it's really funny to trace back that like um, my, so my grandfather and my Nana who I was talking to is her dad was a 
um, professional artist. She, he was a painter, like fine arts and like incredibly talented. And it's funny because like my drawings are simple, not just because it's faster, but it's like, that's how I draw. Like I'm not drawing a, a fine art by any means, but it's funny how like, um, yeah, she's just always obsessed with animals and comic strips. And my dad too, also um, just always been around comic strips um, and something where it was like, I feel like it's, they're just so accessible and it kind of makes sense that they've been timeless. And it's just the only thing that's changed really is, you know, the medium, like where people are reading them. And I mean, I think what's great, I mean, you talk about accessibility it, and I, and I say this as a compliment where you, you, you're making really simple statements that are also profound to a certain extent, as far as just like the, at how you're attributing the, these personality traits to these animals. But I feel like the age range of people who can uh, enjoy your comic strip is really broad too. It's not yeah. so specific to people that are adults. I feel like high schoolers, middle schoolers, they can read that. And it's something that they'll understand. Um, yeah. Just, it's not, you know, I got a letter from a woman who said that this was the, it was the, it like, um, it was just so awesome that it was so specific. She was like, this is the first thing that I've been able to enjoy with my like young son who like, we can't watch the same TV together and we're not into the same things. So she's like, I felt like such a disconnect. And she's like, your comics are something that both of us can share and, and, and both enjoy. It's like the first thing that we've both been able to find like that. And I was like, oh man, that's so awesome. I kind of want to do something that I can share with, even with my parents too, and my Nana, that was like, um, you know, something that wasn't inappropriate and something that we could, I could share with my family. And I still think that I can get my own voice and try to be, you know, a little more clever, not family circus level, not like um, rated G but still something that's not inappropriate and that's accessible. No, not a knock to a family circus, but um, that's not the, <laughs> not the audience I'm really going for. Did you see the movie? Uh, it's out now. It's in theaters. I don't know if it's streaming anywhere. It's um, the worst person in the world. No, uh, I know what it is, but I've not seen it. It's, it's a strange movie. Things about it. I really liked things about it. Maybe not so much, but there is a very strong, um, theme and a character who's a comic book illustrator. Oh, really? Oh, cool. In it, and it's really, it's really cool. And this, without giving too much away, like something funny that happens is like his comics are a little inappropriate, and they feature an animal yeah. as the main character. And then like Hollywood buys the rights to produce a movie about you know the animal, and they completely like scrub out all the inappropriateness, and he's devastated. <laughs> and it's like the worst <laughs> thing that could have possibly happened to him. But you should check it out. I just I thought of that just That's now, fine. and it's um it's a weird movie. I like I wouldn't watch it with uh your kids, but um it's very <laughs> it's very touching and. I guess you might like, I think, connect to some parts of this guy's journey. And as far as what's next for you, uh, what, what do you have on the horizon right now? Um, so I've been, I'm working on a second feature film for Illumination, um, the animation studio. And that's been awesome. I don't think that movie will be out for a while. But um, also working on developing my own projects, um, all animated, um, 
some animal related, some not animal related, but <clears throat> I've always really been trying to just be like fully in animation. I'll always keep the comics going, but as like I do a comic a week, but I mean one comic and I always draw it on Saturday or Sunday. And, uh, but during the week I'm like, um, most of my time is spent working in, uh, on animated stuff. Always well, funny, have... but yeah, oh, not always animal stuff. You, you said it's always funny, but not always yeah. animal stuff. Well, Everything like I touch like to bring will be joy. Like humor. Yeah. <laughs> um, all of the projects, the, the consistent things are they're all animated and they're all at least attempting to be funny. Um, and they're all humor. Well, we have some rapid fire questions for you. Cool. Um, and th- I, hopefully they won't trip you up too much, but I think they should be fairly easy. <laughs> um, if you had to choose to be stuck on a deserted island with one of your characters, which would you choose and why? I, a dog. I'm still a, I have two cats. I'm still a dog person. I love dogs. I like, uh, yeah, dogs are the best. Yeah, I had a dog you for, want a good companion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and dogs are also like resourceful and smart. And not that cats aren't, but um a dog. <laughs> I feel like I feel like the cat would eat you first yeah, on the deserted island. Totally. <laughs> Although like cats are probably better hunters. Um, but you're that you're eating like rodents for for dinner then. Yeah. yeah, they won't share. The dog at least might share with yeah, you. The cat's true. like, no, nah, this yeah. is mine. You're on your it, own. It's really funny. Like we have both cats will catch mice, have caught mice. And one cat will like um, let me, will like gently hold the mouse and I'll have a container or a box to bring the mouse outside and will drop it in, like willingly give it to me. And the other cat will run around the house like full speed trying to get the mouse away from me. Um <laughs> So yeah, I guess which one, it depends which one I'd bring to the island. <laughs> if uh, you could have any person or animal ghostwrite one of your comic strips, who would it be? <laughs> um, I, I've said it, I, I know I've mentioned both several times. Like I love um, Calvin and Hobbes and The Far Side. And I feel like The Far Side is more similar to my voice and style and humor Calvin Hobbes is just like, uh, I can't write like that. Those all feel really profound to me. Um, but I feel like Gary Larson can write a, they can talk comic and people would just be like, Oh, this one's particularly good. Um, I also really like, um, Simon Rich who write, who like, uh, writes a bunch of books and like writes in TV and movies and stuff and his humor too. I'm like so jealous of how, how funny he is. I feel like David Sedaris is a humorist that could probably mm. write in the voice of an animal too very well and, totally. and bring a quirkiness to it. Um, who would be more internet famous, Salem or Pepper? Yeah, Salem. I like, <laughs> yeah, she's just like, uh, um, my wife has had, I think we counted the other day, over 10 cats like in her life. And she's just like, Salem is the cat that you always hoped you get. <laughs> Cause you know, you never know what your cat's going to end up like. Um, and she, she's just like, I mean, she's basically like a dog that you don't have to take outside. Um, she comes, sits on your lap and purrs. And also like, I think that the uh, mischievous side of her is also really entertaining. 
Um, and people who like cats seem to love that side of cats. So, and she has both, both of those sides. I love it. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing your next comic drop in, I guess, about 15 minutes or so. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and we really appreciate your time and, and giving us some insight into how you create this. And for everyone listening, make sure you subscribe to his Patreon too, so that you can get more goodies. Totally. Yeah, this is great. Thank you. Thank you both. Um, I have a, um, a new pigeon comic that I love. I'm really happy with this one. I can say that that's not the case with all of the comics, but I'm, I'm really, uh, really excited to see the response to this one. I'm excited to see it in a bit. <laughs> Thanks so much, Jimmy. Cool. This was awesome. Thank you. Thank you both. Well, that was fantastic. Anya, thank you so much for introducing us to Jimmy. Yeah, that was great. I um, I love his stuff. I think, I mean, I really do love it just because I feel like he is able to capture what I feel like my own dog is thinking. And I mean, every day I look into her eyes and I always ask, what is going on behind those little brown eyes of yours? What are you thinking? Do you think I'm crazy? Do you think I'm a Looney Tune? She's thinking, someone um, save me. Someone call <laughs> social services for pets. Are you thinking, please stop hugging me so much? I need space. Um, Boundaries, mom. Boundaries. But, you know, his grandma seems like she had a lot of influence on him and that she exposed him at a very young age to the, the comic strip world, um, which just seems like led him down the path that he's on now. Definitely. And, you know, I think what's been fun for us so far in the process of doing this podcast is we start out wanting to talk about the animals, but then we end up talking about the people who are with them. And it's those mm -hmm. people stories as well that have just made this, I think so, so meaningful and just like so fun for me. And as it relates to the comics, you know, I kept referencing movies during the conversation. I was thinking about the end. I was like, why does my brain keep going to movies? Cause when we spoke to pig Costo, I was actually thinking of music a lot more, but I think the fact that, he's using the comic format and we're seeing things in these frames, these scenes just, mm -hmm. you know, made that connection for me. So I was thinking a lot in terms of scenes and, you know, a, a film, for example. So that was, uh, that was fun. Yeah, it was fun. And he's definitely touched on a, a, a genre niche of uh, art. I feel like that is, I mean, not everybody can do that, right? I mean, it, aside from just the drawing and the illustration of of the animals themselves, being able to bring an authentic voice to those animals, where it's not so far fetched that you're like, they don't, they really wouldn't think that. I feel like he does such a good job with even all the animals that I don't know anything about. Where I'm like, yeah, I feel like a shark would probably say or do that. So I think he's he's done an excellent job with really. Not, I don't want to say humanizing animals since it's not really what is happening, but making them relatable to us as as people. Definitely. So well said. Thank you. Well, <laughs> everyone, we also have our own Patreon like Jimmy does. So if you want to subscribe to it and support us so that we can continue doing this, we would love that. Make sure that you follow us on all of our social channels, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok. Uh, subscribe to our podcasts on itunes spotify and rate us and send us suggestions of who you'd want us to talk to if we haven't talked to them yet we'd love to we'd love to hear from you and thanks to everyone for tuning in and and uh we look forward to seeing you next time <laughs>